more of that jazz, ladies and gents. We are officially diving into the last song on Queen's album, Jazz. And you're probably thinking it's kind of funny that the song is called More of That Jazz. We have a few different ironic things happening here. One, the song is called More of That Jazz at the end of Queen's album, Jazz. Two, the lyrics for the song are actually no more of that jazz. (laughs) And I feel like there was a third point I was going to make. Maybe I'll find it as I talk about this. But yes, a lot of clever irony happening here. I love that coming from Roger Taylor. This is his second contribution to Queen's album Jazz. And this is a very unique little number because, well, we're going to get into the specifics, but... Not only is it highly experimental, pushes the boundaries a little bit, we're shifting into more of that late 70s, what will become kind of the early 80s sound, sort of new wave is what they called it at the time. And Roger was very forward thinking in that respect. So it's not surprising to get this from him. But there's also some interesting one-off things happening with the performance of this song and its structure, and the chord changes, and the syncopations. There's a lot of cool, interesting stuff we're going to talk about. And I want to dive into the structure of the song very deeply because, honestly, this is a very deep track in that not a lot of people talk about this one. A lot of theories as to why that is. I mean, yes, it's a last song on an album, which I would say a lot of last songs on albums don't get a lot of attention anyway. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it seems to me, at least back in the day, it was quite common for songs earlier in the track list to get more attention to be released as singles. Now, in this case, Don't Stop Me Now, which we just talked about, was released as a single. And while it didn't chart quite as high, at least at the time, it didn't make the waves that the guys thought it might make until way later. And of course, it made up for it and then some. Yeah, it was still released as a single. And it was the second to last track on this album. So you know, take that with a grain of salt. Anyway, I've just noticed in all my years of collecting albums and loving artists and loving bands that a lot of singles are released from earlier in the track list. I don't know. Interesting phenomenon. Lots of phenomenons. Okay, let's get back to Queen. Let's talk about this last number on their seventh album, Jazz, released in 1978. The last album they released in in the 1970s. (laughs) And we are on dive number, wait for it, 80. We're getting super close to the halfway mark. I don't remember exactly what I said the numbers were. I think... Without Flash Gordon, I did some calculations and it was like 153 and was it with Flash Gordon? It was like 170 something. So, okay, we are, yes, getting to the halfway mark. I cannot believe it. Wow. And this is track number 13, Lucky 13 on Queen's album, Jazz. More of that jazz written by Roger Taylor. Progressive hard rock. Progressive, yeah, very experimental, kind of metal too, 
Got a little bit of that distortion going on here. It's very gravelly, very gritty, including not just the guitars, but Roger's delivery, which is quite forceful and fun and loud. Gosh, he's got such good range here. It's really nice. This was the B-side to the U.S. release of Don't Stop Me Now, which was released February 20th of 1979. Interesting, isn't it? But I think it's a wise choice. U.S. single release. And at the time, the U.S., going into the later 70s here, had a lot of dance going on, a little bit more of that new wave thing happening. So it makes absolute sense that they would choose this experimental number to tack on as the B-side with a single release in the U.S., I think. Bold choice. A good move. We're at 174 beats per minute. It's fast. Dun, 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 dun. But it doesn't feel fast. And I'll talk a little bit about why this doesn't feel like it's at such a fast tempo. Other than that, very simple structure. 4-4, four, four, common time, and the key of E major. But here's the thing, guys. This doesn't feel like it's in a major key. Part of that is... The exclusion of that major third in the arrangement. It's not always there. Minor inflections going on. So this feels like a darker, kind of edgier track because it's in a major key, but it doesn't sound like it. Diatonic things happening here. There's some dissonance happening here as well, which creates, in my opinion, a little bit more of a suspenseful atmosphere, a mysterious atmosphere, kind of a darkness. I think I mentioned that already. So yes, we're in a major key, but there are moments where it feels very different than your typical happy, bright, open sky major key, right? And this song, More of That Jazz, which I said is actually sung, No More of That Jazz, we could also say it as, it's just more of that jazz, more of the same old thing, the same old stuff, same old sh different day, <laughs> frustration maybe, angst, let me out of here. Or maybe Raj is singing about the album this song is on, right? I've, I've noticed that myself. I've seen that comment from other fans that when you think about the lyrics, and the album this song is on and the fact that it's at the end of the album, maybe he's just singing literally about this album that we just finished listening to. So it's quite a clever little nod to the whole of the album. And there's another reference to the album itself, which is quite obvious. I'm going to talk about that. This is, as I said, I cannot say this enough, very experimental on the arrangement front, quite modern at the time. This is much more rock-centric than many songs on jazz, closing out the album with a really gutsy bang. And despite the ostinato hooks, the repetitive hooks, which is a very 80s thing, by the way, especially when it comes to Queen, we don't have that a lot. But if anyone writes it in a song, it's Roger, and we're going to continue to get more of that in Queen arrangements going forward. But here, despite those hooks... It's also less of a cyclic song than other Roger numbers. It's got, in my opinion, freer vocals, plenty of melisma, 
which isn't really, it's not previously a very common thing. It's not a common technique from Roger. He often hits the note straight, doesn't deviate a lot when he holds a note. But here, despite that harder rock vibe, he kind of soars in and out of notes, bends the notes a little bit, which makes this an intriguing listen, a very fun sing-along. But it's not quite as melodic, though. It's very unpredictable vocally. He changes up the arrangement quite a bit, feels very improvised, which I suppose is very appropriate given that this is more of that jazz, which is extremely jazz. If you guys know anything about the structure of jazz music, it's very free. It's very unpredictable. A lot of people hate it because it sounds to some people like you're playing the wrong notes or doing the wrong thing, but that's all about the structure of jazz. And Roger gives us quite the vocal range here, reaches a high E5. Something about this. Sneaky, dark, gritty, dirty, but extremely compact and tight, polished. I would say it's very intelligently arranged, surprisingly addicting. The guitar riff, an impressive and uniquely tackled one is on its own a very snazzy hook. And the drums, we're not just on beats two and four. No, we're not going doom, ch, doom, ch. We're incredibly syncopated. It makes this very distinctive. It's the drums that drive in and take us out and center us with everything else and accompaniment. The intro starts with the drums and the outro ends with the drums. Kind of bookends it. It's a wonderful arrangement in that way. We've also got some maracas here. They're part of the mix. That reminds me, <laughs> reminds me of this, the footage from the News of the World tour where the guys are backstage and it looks like they're winding down after a show and Roger is saying something about how Freddie threw his beloved maracas into the crowd and that, you know, it had taken hours for Roger to steal them. Is that what I heard, right? <laughs> Roger and his maracas. But otherwise... More of that jazz. It's all dark, deep, rolling rock and roll. A very heavy rhythmic bass, kind of drones in and out. It's very threatening in that way. Layered electric guitars, plenty of Roger on lead, and all backing vocals. This is his song, very much so. And toward the end of the song, in a surprising final burst, we're thrown samples and snippets of the album's earlier songs smashed together into a rousing musical montage. But we come back to this syncopated rough thing for one more round of riffs and one more good scream from Roger. It's a very satisfying end to this jazz album, but they never played it live. You guys, I've talked before about their choice to not play some songs live. Maybe it wasn't even a choice. Maybe in some instances, because of the nature of the song, it was simply, oh, that's never gonna fly live. It's never gonna be a great number live. It's never gonna get the people up and moving around live. But this song, you guys, it's one I wish we'd had just once. I can imagine, honestly, the arrangement of the drums is in such a way, despite that fast tempo, it's, it's spaced out enough, it's syncopated enough. I feel like Roger could have sang this lead, even though there were a lot of instances with Brian or Roger songs where Freddie would take the lead live. 
right? Like 39 and modern times rock and roll. I think Roger could have pulled this off. And I think Brian could have dug into these guitar riffs and we could have had an extended guitar solo. I'm dreaming here. But I don't know, maybe Roger and Freddie could have traded off lead vocals live. I would have absolutely dug this live. And I think this was a, I'm just gonna say it. I think it was a mistake to never play this live. Yeah, it's, Okay, let's talk about why maybe they didn't play this live. This is easily the most Roger solo Queen composition ever, at least so far, I would say. The only appearance from another Queen here is Brian on electric guitar, and it's not even all the guitars. Other than that, Roger performs drums, electric guitar, bass guitar, maracas, lead and backing vocals. So really, this might as well be a solo piece. And maybe that's why they didn't play this live. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Roger had to fight to get this on the album. Or maybe the guys unanimously thought this was a great closing number because of the nature of the song. Or maybe they were like, you know what? This is like a solo song, Roger. We are not going to play this live. My brain, my imagination goes everywhere, you guys. But why couldn't they have done this? John could have played that bass riff. He could have done even more with it. And I'm not, I'm not saying Roger is awful at bass. I'm just saying John is, of course, John Deacon on bass. He's like the melodic bass player. He could have done so much with this bass line. Brian could have had a ball on guitar. Freddie could have sang lead or harmony vocals with Roger. Maybe we could have had some piano thrown in there from Freddie. I don't know. I'm very sad <laughs> this was never live. Can you tell that I'm upset about that? I really like this song. I mean, I'm a big fan of Roger. I think this is a great piece, and we're going to go into the details. But I have another cool fact first before we get back to this song specifically. Guys, I'm going to geek out about this. I swear, there is a guitar riff in an episode of Doom, the PC game Doom, that is almost exactly like this song's memorable riff. Almost exactly like it. I'm telling you, it's so close. If the people who made the music for that episode in Doom weren't inspired by this, it is a heck of a coincidence because I sent it to my mom, okay? My mom and I used to play Doom all the time. <laughs> Can you imagine me like 11, 12 years old playing this PC shoot 'em up game? Yes, that was me. My mom played it too. We loved it. Hey, we're shooting aliens. You know, it's okay. So I sent my mom this episode. And then I sent her the portion of the song, more of that jazz with this guitar riff, which I can't even sing because it's extremely chromatically arranged. It's like, it's really hard to sing, but it's kind of like that. And I swear, you guys, it is in this episode of Doom. And I think it might be the very first episode, which, yeah, I, I think it was, what was it called? Knee Deep in the Dead? <laughs> I think that was the name of it. Maybe I should link to it. I swear, you guys, it is it. It is there. If Queen were ever aware of it, if I was Roger, if I was Queen, I would have been like, ah. Uh. 
You guys owe us a little bit for that. Seriously, you guys. I hope I'm not really calling anyone out on anything, but I'm just saying, I noticed it big time because I know Doom and I know it well, and I've heard that episode a million times. It is totally, almost absolutely it. One of these days, I'm gonna pound out those notes myself from the game, and I'm gonna compare them against the sheet music for more of that jazz. Watch me. I'm going to do it, and I will do an episode about it, you guys. It's on my list now. It's officially on my list. Anyway, my last fun fact for more of that jazz, the end of this song is the first time we hear a montage, a medley album closeout, but it's not the last. Not in Queen's catalog. So at the time when they did this, that was kind of a novel thing, right? I, I don't, I'm not familiar with enough albums from that period, but I can tell you that I haven't heard any others that have this like montage thing in them. So it must've been quite the surprise for fans at the time to go, whoa. In fact, I specifically saw a comment from someone who recently said that they were listening to the song and were surprised when all of a sudden these snippets of previous jazz numbers burst in. So still keeping fans on their toes. Even after all these years, I'm going to take a sip of water, you guys. Ugh. Okay. That's a little better. Band critique, you guys, it's radio silence. I don't have a thing from Brian or Roger. Nobody talks about more of that jazz. And the only bad thing I've read from people about this song is I've seen people call this filler. Right along with Fun It, which I think is very unfair because those are both Roger's songs. Now... (sighs) I don't like to say stuff like this because I feel like it's very judgmental and it's just negative, but I do want to be honest about the sentiment I see. Yes, when people talk about each of Queen's members and the songs they wrote, I do see that people will say Roger is their least favorite. I see that. Now, to be fair, all the guys write pretty phenomenal songs. I'm the first to admit, Brian is my favorite composer in the band. <laughs> but as a whole, Roger is my favorite. And I there's something about his style I really like. Part of it is his progression forward in the sounds. And I've talked about this quite a few times, especially going into the second half of the 70s here, how he was paying very close attention to the trends And I think he wanted to help keep Queen relevant by doing so. And that's very important when you consider where Queen goes in the future. But anyway, I very much love and appreciate Roger's style. But yeah, that sentiment is not shared across the board, so I'm aware of it. But the fact that people say, this is kind of filler. And Fun It's kind of filler. Fun It is jiving. Fun It is like the precursor to another one bites the dust, remember? How can you say it's filler? <clears throat> Sorry. I, I, <laughs> I love Fun It, and I love this song. I love it. I'm never going to back down from that. Some praise, though. Interesting praise, you guys. I just discovered a cool podcast called History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, and it's from Pantheon Media. Martin talked about this song and its hooky drum riff. 
that riff that everything is centered around. And before I listened to that little snippet of his podcast, I, I guess I didn't really realize how important, how vital that drum riff is to the center of the song. And it's true when I listen to it now. The song enters and ends with the drums and only the drums. And they carry us through the whole thing. We're going to talk about that as we go into the specifics. But this guy also talked about the novelty of Queen in general and how innovative they were. And I haven't actually listened to that episode. I think he said he did a whole episode about the novelty of Queen. I have to go back and listen to it. Also, listeners pin the experimental tag onto this quite a bit. I know I have as well. And people like the guitars. There's a lot of guitars here. And we do have Brian here. <laughs> you know, it's not just Roger playing guitar. We do have a lot of Brian. And like previous numbers where Brian's contributed some guitar and Roger has contributed other guitar, I like to sit back and pick out what's Brian and what's Roger. Brian has, of course, a very distinctive lyrical delivery. It's very much Brian when you hear it. But he's also very versatile. He can play delicately and then drive it, sometimes in the same song. So it's just fun with my ears to play that game. Everybody play the game. We're getting there. We're almost there. I promise. Next album. Anyway, it's fun to play that game and pick apart who's playing. What? Anyway, this song is just, it's interesting. It's dynamic. It's gritty again. We got some distortion, a little bit of that progressiveness happening. Heavy, pulsing drums. Starts off, it's a catchy riff. Stands out more than most other songs on this album, especially the drum quality. More of Roger's classic big drum sound rings out. In that kick, especially, there's a little bit of a reverb there. Those cymbals accenting on the snares. And I swear, there's some hand claps also layered on those snaps. When you hear this, dun, 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 it doesn't sound like it's fast, does it? It sounds like one, two, three, four. It almost sounds like cut time. But that dun, 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 it's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. You just don't notice it. The magic of arrangements. This drum riff, this is the riff, carries us through the whole song. And we quickly realize it's the centerpiece. When you focus on that, it's pretty obvious. Then the guitars arrive. That E7 to C7 chord transition, it's clever, a little disorientating, actually. But part of that is the syncopated arrangement of the transition itself. You can really hear it when the grinding louder electrics crash in on the second phrase there, when the bass frequencies also arrive. I love the jive. Everything keeps repeating, layering, those ostinato arrangements, right? Repetition. On top of those grinding guitars, chromatic guitars scratch down the scale, that vibrato ringing out. There he is. There's Roger. If you're feeling tired, only uninspired, only Roger's delivery. <laughs> it's almost bluesy when I sing it like that. It's gritty, full, strong, 
a very comfortable range for him too, obviously. It's not nearly as melodic, no. But this vocal feels soulful, vibrant, and very free. Nonetheless, those maracas in full swing, right? The riff repeats, and then this chorus. We're still in the major tonic, but guess what? We don't hear it. So the other harmonies here make it sound very, very minor, dark. I love it. And Roger's vocals, just ma, 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 of that jazz. Really, really nice soaring delivery going up to that falsetto. And his backing harmonies, three parts, they bend, sway, rise and fall again suspending us in that really strange major minor thing. All the while, the guitars float up and down chromatically in that sparkling arrangement that's complex, very difficult to sing. This, that, that riff, that's the moment I'm talking about when I said the doom guitar sounded like this song. The bass continues on that kick, beat, dun, 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 dun. The second phrase of the chorus, we hear a shift as the bass lingers on the tonic. The bass, the voice, the guitars, everything shifts in unison. E, G sharp, D sharp, G. Such a unique chord transition. Roger gives us a lot of those. The last phrase chimes in on the offbeat, a stunning surprise. And the very last closing chord of the chorus, when Roger sings, Give me no more, no more. Of that jazz. That's a six, it's a G6 chord. And there's a nice touch of dissonance with a B fifth harmonic. I love six chords, first of all. I think I talked about that on my music episode a while back. And that additional dissonance, uh, I'm in heaven. Second verse, but it's different. Only football gives us thrills. Rock and roll just pays the bills. A nice little repeated guitar cycling riff there after that phrase. The same hooks and the catchy drums just keep us going. There's a second section of the second chorus that further deviates from the previous arrangements with a totally unique vocal expression from Raj. Bring out the dogs, get on your feet, lie on the floor. I love that power in his voice. Some nice distortion in the guitars seems to stand out more there. Chorus again, please. And a little bit different arrangement. Just more, more of that jazz. The second chorus closes out with those hooks, an impressive chromatic guitar we can't get enough of. I can't. Until, oh, no matter, fool, got no business hanging around and telling lies. That lyric I love, we begin the montage, you guys. Dead on time, bicycle race. Mustafa, if you can't beat them, dead on time again. Fun it, fat bottom girls. And then those impressive chromatic guitars arrive back in it again. Roger screams out one last time. No more, no more, no more. The guitars all resolve and drop out with a scratch. Oh, that jazz. Harsh. Raj, I love it. Bump, bump, psh, bump, 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 psh, bump. And that's it. That's it. That's how the album ends. <laughs> Comes in with drums, drops out with drums. Honestly, you guys, I love this song. 
I love it. It's it's a great song like Fight from the Inside. Roger's News of the World number that is a really nice decompression. Scream it out when you need to let something go kind of a moment. This is another one of those songs. Roger's very nostalgic, but he does this thing. <laughs> he does the anger thing, I think, very well. And this is no exception. More of that jazz. Or as maybe it should have been titled, ironically so, no more of that jazz. I urge you to go listen to this. I feel like enough people don't know it. It is a, I don't want to say underappreciated. You guys, everybody says underappreciated in Reddit all the time. Radiohead sub, Queen sub, Beck sub. Everybody's always like, what's the most underappreciated, underrated song? And honestly, (laughs) it's kind of a joke at this point because everybody says everything all the time. But anyway, that is more of that jazz. My voice is dying today. I don't know why I need to end this now. (laughs) But next time, I will be back talking about who stole my attention on jazz the most. I already know who it is. I don't need to think this over anymore. Interesting twist, though, and I'll tell you guys more about that in the episode itself, but this feels, in a way, yes, I'm closing out jazz now because I'm done with the songs, and this truly, you guys, is the end of an era. I feel like that's the case with every album, but this is legitimately, I mean, it's the last 70s Queen album. It is, well, okay, okay, I don't want to go into too many specifics because I want to cover that in the next episode. Anyway. Keep yourselves alive. I'll be back next time talking about my jazz pick for who stole my attention. Where did my ears go? More often than not, I'll tell ya. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day, night. Have a good time because you're having a good time, right? I'm a superstar leaping through the sky like a tiger. What's your guys' favorite like wild cat? <laughs> I don't really have one. Jaguars are cool, I guess. Very elegant, very mysterious with those eyes. Anyway, tangent. Okay, guys, until next time, no more (laughs) of that jazz.